Big Fluff. Now, if you're playing the movie on a telephone, you will never in a trillion years experience the film. You'll think you have experienced it, but you'll be <clears throat> cheated. It's a, such a sadness that you think you've seen a film on your fucking telephone. Get real. I'm Joel Murphy, this is Hobo Radio, and you are Lars. Simple intro for 601. We're not getting crazy. D- turn it over a new leaf. Here yep. we go. Yep, we did it. We really, Yeah, we really need to make this show less complicated. <laughs> That's what we're trying to do. For the next 600 shows, we're going to try to make it as, you know, like all these, you know, complicated parts of the show that everybody is all like, why? Yeah, you have too many segments and specific things you talk about. Well, we're going to try this week, and this will be a departure for us. This is going to be kind of a free-flowing, loose conversation. I'm ready, money. (laughs) I do. I have one update for you from our 600th episode. Oh. uh, Which is, we we talked about the fact that we were going to leave our voicemail line open. Yeah. And we did. Uh Uh-huh. And there's a voicemail there. So (laughs) So exciting. uh, Do you want to guess who it's from? Oh, um, I'm going to guess <sighs> Meredith Vieira. That's a good guess. Hmm. It's the Meredith Vieira of people you and I know. Oh, okay. All right. You ready? Yes. Man, you did keep the line open. None of those shows are good. 599 was in reference to you've only done 599 shows, and it was too many. You hadn't even done the 600 show. Well, now that you've done it now, probably, and you might air this before the 601st show. So now you've done 600 too many. Jeez. Oh, and by the way, yeah, it's a rolling year from whenever you started, Joel. So 52 weeks in a year times 13 years is 776 weeks. So you should have done 776 shows, but you didn't. So you subtract 600, which leaves 76 missed shows, divided by 13 weeks is 5.8 shows a year that you missed. I rounded it up to six. All right? Now you guys, you know, got another year. Get them in, and you won't miss anymore. All right. Peace. You know, that's on me because I did, we did question the math. So, so we, we did summon him. <laughs> what a horse's ass. <laughs> Quick math lesson there from, from my friend, Ethan. You know, what's great is, I don't know if you had this, but uh, he, he breaks that down clearly step by step. I still zoned out. So I'm still taking his word for it. Yeah, it's math. By the way, it's also a a 40-year-old father of two that that hangs up by saying peace. So everyone <laughs> everyone get ready for that cuz there's a whole generation of us. <laughs> also, I guess if it's clear just so you know that uh it, that that line's not going anywhere. I'm not giving out the number again cause, mainly cuz I don't have it in front of me. Uh but it, <laughs> it will continue to exist. Uh so so feel free to go back and listen to episode 599. Uh, and, and get that number and you we can like hearing from y'all it is nice it's nice to remember as we do this in a vacuum that uh at least a handful of people listen <laughs> well we know one for sure one for sure uh, and he's very uh, passionate well hey i i have something else i got one more clip to play here at the beginning and i'm excited okay. for this one so Ooh, okay. first of all i i have i don't think i've actually asked you this specifically uh, but you're a, you're a fucking nerd. Um, 
Like, How dare you? Yeah. Um, are you excited for this new Dune? This new Dune came out. We, I haven't seen it yet. I don't yeah, know. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty excited. I guess. Yeah. I think it's gonna be good. Like I. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I'm curious about it. it. Looks very cool. I do like. I sort of want to see it in a the theater, even though I can watch it in my house. But it feels like a theater movie. Yes, it also feels like one you're going to see more than once anyway. I think I'm going to watch it at home and First. decide whether or not I want to pay the ticket price. Look, it looks great, but you know, I grew up on the David Lynch Dune and I kept trying, look, I shouldn't say trying to watch it. I watched that movie several times as like an adolescent, a young adolescent. And you watch the whole thing and the whole time you're thinking, I, I like this. But I don't know why or what exactly is going on. But I know I like it. That's all I know. <laughs> I, I wish they had given David Lynch more studio films. I really <laughs> yeah. think yeah. I would I would have like if I was in charge and this is why I would be fired. Literally, it, it, does he want to do an Avengers movie? I'd watch a David Lynch Avengers movie. Does he want to do like a does he do like a Marmaduke? Yeah, he's he's the guy. He's the I think the only guy who can you give him give him the budget, give him whatever he wants, let him make the movie, and then when people don't like it, just say, well, then you don't get it. Yeah, and do that for every single movie of well, his. Well, also he's someone that you have a built-in. You can because you know you're going to hire you, so you're going to hire him to make Marmaduke. You also get a really great documentary filmmaker to make the heart of darkness of the making of Marmaduke. Like you, you just followed because that even if the movie isn't great, watching David Lynch be like, oh, that, that's not how Marmaduke would act. You're, you've got that all wrong. Like, why, why are you wearing those ping pong balls? It's not. You're not a dog. <laughs> We need a big dog. <laughs> Not a man with ping pong balls. That's from my other movie. <laughs> but yeah, like it it would be great. He would just have the weirdest like David Lynch, I, I love them, man. I love him. Like, And this is not a knock on his films. I love just hearing about his life much more than I enjoy his actual <laughs> body of work. Yeah, he's an interesting guy. He He's the person who... A, a lot of artists of different mediums have tried to turn their life into an art piece a la like a like a Joaquin Phoenix when he was pretending to be a rapper or whatever. Um, uh, David Lynch did it and he did it effortlessly like his his life is an art piece. His personality yeah. is a piece of art that you could take or you can leave. But that man is a walking, talking, living piece of like contemporary abstract art <laughs> well and i think that's the thing and you get that sense from when joaquin phoenix was doing that movie of like joaquin phoenix went on the tonight show or whatever the david letterman show to be yeah. weird like look i'm being weird and he's drawing attention to how weird he's being david lynch sat on the side of a road with a cowl to promote laura dern winning an academy award mm -hmm. Just to do it, like, mm -hmm. because he's weird. <laughs> like, he didn't know how it would be covered. He didn't call the press himself, I don't think. He just sat there, knew that people would notice, like, let it unfold however it was. But that's like a true art installation. He just got a cow and sat on the side of the road. And when people asked him why, he was like, I'm doing it for Laura Dern. Excellent. He's he's one of the, you say this about a lot of people. Um, that, uh, like, especially like people who perform in front of audiences, like stand-up comedians and stuff. And you say, well, they'd be doing that whether or not someone was watching them. That's just in their bones, which I think is true. Literally David Lynch is doing that, whether or not someone's looking oh, right now, yeah. he's doing something so, so off, off the wall <laughs> so, that you can't possibly comprehend that would probably provoke a lot of thought. And he's doing it alone in his house. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Uh, the thing, it's like, it's sort of become like a meme or I don't know. It's just like now it's just an isolated thing. But it, it was from a magazine article. <laughs> and it was an interview someone did with him about how he had five Woody Woodpecker dolls that uh -huh. he bought. And he had given them different names. I don't remember <laughs> what the names were. But he, he like, he bought them and he had these, he saw them like at a truck stop or something. And he bought these five identical Woody Woodpecker dolls. He gave them names. And then like, he just ends it by going, they're not in my life anymore. 
It's like what? <laughs> like just not, so. Not, I sold them. I auctioned them <laughs> off. I donated them to a charity auction. It's they're not in my life. Yeah. By the way, I haven't addressed it yet, but um. You're just going to drop this solid David Lynch impression on us right now? Dude, like, I, you can't I, even do a British accent, and that's a <laughs> solid David Lynch. You know why? Because I've watched way more David Lynch videos. <laughs> I'm really... that's the, Thank you, by the way. I'm trying to lock in to, like, what can I do realistically? It's, it's So, we've got Jimmy Stewart and David Lynch. I think those are... <laughs> those are pretty good. Those yeah. are pretty good. I like my Bane. I don't know how good... The world thinks it is. <laughs> well, those are that's what like a Jimmy Stewart or a Bane. Lots of people can do those. No one's no one's walking around doing a David Lynch. That's pretty good. That's man. my that's pretty my good. lane. That's my yeah. yeah. Okay. Can that be my Madden? Yeah. Can, if, can I be Frank Caliendo and I just do a really good David Lynch impression? I I I think there's a really easy way to monetize it. Yeah. All right. Somehow. I mean, do that. Anyway, and the and the thing is, just uh, we don't have to spend an hour talking about David Lynch. I probably could without oh. ever speaking of one of his movies. Oh no, I could too. But I actually I teed up all the Dune stuff because I have something, like I said, oh, that sure. I'm going to play. That's uh, it's not even really Dune related. I'm going to be honest. We haven't seen Dune. We'll talk about Dune. Yeah. I don't know next week or something. But uh, no, so Dune, the new film, has one of my favorite working actors in it. Right. And that's a lot of my favorite actors. Actually, it's a great cast all around. Yes. But Rebecca Ferguson is in this movie. And I'm very excited okay. about that because the rise of Rebecca Ferguson makes me so happy uh, because I feel like she's like kind of starting to hit that wave that if you're sitting there right now and you're like, who is that? I feel like in a year from now, people are just going to know that name because she I know her because she did the Christopher McQuarrie Mission Impossible movies. Uh, she's in both of those. She plays Elsa, but she's been doing a lot of stuff. She does a lot of stuff with Hugh Jackman. She was in that reminiscence movie that came out and she uh -huh. was also in the greatest showman, which I never saw, but uh, like she did those she's done. Um, I'm blanking. Um, oh, the, the, the weird sequel to the shining uh, Dr. Sleep. Yeah, she was Dr. Sleep. She was going around like sucking up Jacob Tremblay's soul or whatever. You know, she was the villain Ooh. in it. But anyway, I'm a huge fan of Rebecca Ferguson. She's in the movie Dune. She's doing press for the movie Dune. And part of that press is that she sat down with Vanity Fair and she did the, the thing that they do where they like talked through a person's career. It's all great. She's delightful. It's worth watching. But I have a clip from that. I'm not really going to set it up much beyond that because you'll, Lars, you'll immediately understand why we're playing this. And, uh, but, um, but yeah, so she, this is her talking about Mission Impossible Fallout and uh, a movie that she was six months pregnant while she was filming. And this is the story that she chose to tell about the filming of Mission Impossible Fallout. I do actually have a story, which I'm not sure if I should share. It's about a fanny fart. That's literally when we fought with our fannies. I'm going to go for it. I don't care. Sean Harris is one of the actors. He is awkward, uncomfortable, so terrifyingly scary. And he knows it. And then I kind of fell in love with him in the second film. We've got a good connection. And there's a scene where I do my famous killer thigh move when I jump up and I wrap a leg around. Since I'm ridiculously pregnant and boobs out to here, they forklift me up. I have, I think, four stunt guys lifting me up on him. And I do the twist, and he kind of lies down on the ground. I have to position myself. Positioning yourself on top of someone's face when you're pregnant, not sexy. And I then have to grab my leg around his neck, and I pull my leg, and the biggest fanny fart comes out. And he's literally caught between boobs and my um, big tummy. And all I heard was, get me out of here! <laughs> And I, sad enough, said I can't. Just deal with it. I can't move, babes. So <laughs> they, there's when you're acting, <laughs> it, you really do. You really do have to put yourself in some very undignified positions. Mm -hmm. It just goes with the job. Like there's no, yeah. there is. It's embarrassing to be acting. It just is. Mm -hmm. I can tell you that from experience. So can so could you, even if you've done like like you and I amateur stuff all the way up to pro, 
the biggest movie stars on the on planet Earth. You don't get to maintain a lot of dignity doing your job. No. And what's truly terrible about it, uh, and even in the limited amount of like on camera stuff that you and I have done, you never know how anything looks like you're just doing ridiculous things and hoping that it looks cool. There's a lot of trust put into the, the people shooting you. Yeah. That I, I, I'm sure I look the way I'm supposed to look. What? There's no way to prepare someone to have a woman who is not your partner <laughs> and pregnant accidentally queef in your face <laughs> while you're at work. Yeah. Yes. I also... I, the only thing that I am sad about <laughs> for everyone hearing this audio for the first time as you are, is that you don't see her face telling this story, which the smile that she had at the end <laughs> was such a like cat that got the canary. <laughs> like, oh like, like, I love it because it's like, I mean, first of all, she is amazing anyway. And like I said, I, I want nothing but an upward trajectory for her career. But like the fact that she's like, I don't know if I can tell this story. And it's like, I mean, you can <laughs> like, no, 100%, 100%. I would even say that that man she was talking about has earned the right to maybe Tell well, that story well, that's with her permission. That's you know what I was going mean? to say. Sean Harris, I think, should check with her before telling yeah. that on like a talk show. <laughs> but like, yeah, like ask, ask for, I say ask for carte blanche. Just yeah. say, look, this happened to both of us, but I, it was your body producing that noise. <laughs> um, can I tell that? Am I free to tell that story for the rest of my life whenever I feel like it? Because <laughs> I almost feel like I've earned it. Like, yeah, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't super gross or anything, but come on. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's also, I think it's just funny because, again, this is a movie I have seen a lot. Like, I, I really like these movies. They they play in the background while I'm, like, folding laundry quite often. But the scene in question is she does, like, a head scissors and knocks him out. And so it's just, if you, like, the way that it had to have looked in real life would have to feel like the, like, scary movie to, you know, the, like the parody of the thing. Like if someone was doing a parody of Mission Impossible, it's how you would do it. That you would head scissor someone, they'd fall to the ground and then like the woman would queef in his face and then that would knock him <laughs> out. Like that's how you do it comedically. Like the that's comedy like a, of like that. A, like a, a Joker trap. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's knockout gas. <laughs> but also, yeah, I, so you, you consume a lot more British media than I do. Mm. I have to say that I learned from that clip that the Brits call queefing fanny farts. I was not. I, I, you and I learned that at the same time. <laughs> I mean, I watch a lot, a lot. Of, I just consume a lot of British media. I'm an Anglophile. Yeah. I always have been. I enjoy it. Um, that just doesn't come up that often. Yeah, yeah. Surprisingly, you would think, you know, but they were repressed, yeah. I guess. Well, you know, we, I think we, <laughs> I think um, our culture adopted the word queef because they have the word fanny and we use different words to describe that body part but fanny oh. is a very silly kind of whimsical word so fanny fart is alliterative and fanciful um if we don't use queef we end up saying pussy fart no yeah. one wants to hear yeah, that yeah. nobody wants to hear that yeah, i didn't want to say it just now as a matter of fact <laughs> what's well, also yeah it's like there's something very confusing and maybe maybe some light bulbs just went off if people are not familiar with British vernacular, which, yeah, I guess you and I just know that. So we didn't set that up. But, yeah, like we we use the word fanny in America as like it's a very like something a kid might use to describe their butt. But it is definitely not that in. In England, like, no, no. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the that's the polite word that someone would use for their rear end. Yeah. Um. But it's, I mean, it's very easy to explain. In America, it's the back. Yeah. Well, in, it's sort of like, Britain, it's, it's the front. It's sort of like the car thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. drive on the left. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant the car thing like front and back. So like. Oh, oh well, that too. The, well, but if you think them, about to it. To them, the, the fanny is the bonnet. Yeah. To us, the fanny is, is the, the boot. boot. <laughs> Exactly. But yeah, because yeah, you would, you can't, that's, I think I'm jealous because you can't say fanny fart in America because if you did, the people would be just like, regular you fart. You regular, fart. Just say that's fart. Just fart. Why are you adding stuff? Why yeah, are you yeah. overcomplicating it? Yeah. But yeah, so anyway, I guess point being C Dune. 
And uh, totally. And, also and I just see- have to say, every time I see Rebecca Ferguson, I think she is Alexa Davalos. And that's totally Ooh. on me. They have similar features, but they are two completely different looking people. Yeah. I don't know why I have it in my head that Rebecca Ferguson is Alexa Davalos, but it maybe maybe I'm just looking for someone to co-sign on that because I, I enjoyed watching them both up. It, um, Alexa Davalos was in, uh, well, she was in Chronicles of Riddick, which is a, a, a pleasure well, of mine to watch every well, maybe- once in a while. Well, maybe this will help, like, for you to distinguish. So she was in Chronicles of Riddick, and Rebecca yeah. Ferguson fanny farted on Sean Harris's face. That's the way. I, that's a good mnemonic. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna keep that. Yeah, Ferguson um, fanny farted. There you go. Mm-hmm. That's that's just that's beautiful. Ferguson fanny farted. She's gonna be so pleased with us. Yeah, I know <laughs> that we we really put her in the zeitgeist. I mean, it's her it's her story. I know about yeah, it because she true. said it. So I like if she's you know upset. I mean, I you know. <laughs> I mean, what would you do? You're at work. You're working with someone. You're two professional, hardworking people, and then you feel the wind come out of her crotch onto your body. What do you do? I guess you yell, get her off of me. <laughs> I mean, that's apparently what he did do. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, it's it's quite a journey, that story. But uh... <laughs> good honor. Good honor for tough. I, well, I really I've always enjoyed um, people telling embarrassing stories about something that happened to them while they were pregnant because it's well, always good stuff because you can just say because yeah. you're pregnant there's a crisis going on in your body so you can yeah. just say I, ha- I had to go home because I shit my pants when I was laughing and yeah. that's great <laughs> well yeah and it's like yeah the the what's great about this story too is that I like I said that movie plays in the background of my life a lot and there is absolutely 100% chance that every time I see that scene now that that's what I will think of you know like oh that's the scene I'm gonna think of it every time I see a pregnant person (laughs) what if what if it kept happening to Sean Harris like what if he kept doing movies with pregnant women and somehow like that was his thing I, you know, as you get older, you get, you have friends who, who have been pregnant, that have, that have had children, that have, that have grown life inside of their bodies and then miraculously were able to feed that life also with their bodies. It's an incredible thing. Um, but the stories, I'll tell you one in particular, and I'm leaving out names. Um, she had, um, she gave birth early. Um, and uh, mother and child, everything turned out fine. He's actually a, a really rad kid, and she's perfectly healthy, and everything's cool. But the kid came especially early, and when she was telling me the events leading up to um, her going to the hospital, she said, well, I was at work, and um, apparently my water broke. But I didn't know that. I just thought I peed myself, so I just kept working. But were you... You just, you just, you just, you pissed your pants and then just kept going. She's like, yeah, it happens. I said, but, but your water broke. That had to be a lot. And she said, yeah, it was a lot. Sometimes it's a little bit. Sometimes it's a lot. That's why I dress appropriately. So I, I just kept working. I'm like, that, that sounds the things we do that they do to perpetuate our species. <laughs> it's, it's heroes, all heroes. Yeah. So I think what we're saying sean harris is least you could do for you know (laughs) for for your mother and for everyone else's mother what they've all done for us stop being a little sissy sean it was just it was just a queef yeah god damn man (laughs) muscle through they're paying you a lot of money for this picture yeah millions of dollars presumably i don't know what he got paid but yeah yeah i mean people get hurt all the time look what those stunt people are doing leo put a hole in his hand when he was doing Django like the people break their back give me a break it was just a little queef on you from a <laughs> from a very lovely woman it turns out yeah from you know like I said star on the rise so someday when she's accepting her academy award you can be <laughs> oh like God. I worked with her once a no, funny story she was an academy award that woman's that woman's vagina exhaled on me <laughs> 
Uh, I think she has to thank him in the speech, though. I feel like that's the, you know, like the fair trade off. Yeah, it would be. Oh, um, thank you all again. And to Sean. (laughs) (laughs) He'll know what it means. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I don't know how to go from that to anything else. It would be weird if I was like, speaking of, you know, Um, like speaking of lips, I'm going to talk with mine now (laughs) about this other subject. (laughs) There you go. But no, I I I hope you're into this. Like uh, I this is something that's been on my mind that I'm throwing at you. But because I actually I was listening to uh, We Have to Ask. I don't know if you've heard of that show or not, but uh, it's a show on the Peak Sloth Network. Yes. And uh, I, yep. the in the most recent, they were actually talking. Jonathan uh, was was Jonathan Monroe. That's the mm. well, he's one of the guys, and we have to ask if you're okay. 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 But we're poking uh, the bear. We're already poking the bear. <laughs> but uh, no, no, no. He was talking about watching the Evil Dead movies, and he was pointing out that uh, Evil Dead Two is just Evil Dead again, uh, and and was mm. just asking if that was like an early example of like if that was the first. I guess soft reboot. I don't know, but they they went into a whole thing, but then that, like I started thinking about that. And then I just started thinking in the large, because I actually think the, to answer their question, if you're the, you know, a crossover, if you're in that Venn diagram and you listen to that show and this show, I would argue that I feel like the first reboot that happened was, uh, the 1970s Dracula. That was a remake of the 1930s Dracula. I feel like that's where the first time you can really say like the Frank because it was Frank Langella, right? Like the the yeah. 70s Universal Studios Dracula was like a straight up reboot of the movie they had already made with Bella Lugosi. So that would be my answer to them. But that's not what I actually want to talk about. Oh, OK. Uh, I Because I just like then I went into a whole thing about although if you have opinions on that, too. But like I just my brain just started really thinking about. I don't know what any of this means, like what continuity means. I think I just spiraled out of control uh, because then I started thinking about the Halloween movies and the Halloween movies are wild. Uh, and I don't know if you know this or not, if the listeners know this, but like there are essentially three different continuity timelines that branch off of the original 1970s Halloween at this point. Were you? Fr- did I you- didn't. I didn't know that. Also. I don't know how we're having this conversation without Pat Stork in the room. I didn't know that. I haven't, I haven't really um, followed as much as I like the Halloween movies. No, I had no clue. All I know is that man is devoted to that woman. What man and what woman? Oh, uh, Mike Myers. Is devoted to um, Jamie Lee Curtis? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I was just, I was just trying to figure out what man and what woman. <laughs> no, everybody knows. Uh, Lori Strode, I do believe. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but no, so so there's the, so they made the movie Halloween in 1978, and then from there they made Halloween two, Halloween four, Halloween five, uh, Halloween: The Curse of Mike Myers. Um, also, they made a Halloween three, but that has nothing to do with Mike Myers because they thought Halloween was going to be an anthology series. And then Mike right. Myers was too popular. And yep. so uh, that's what it became. But so that was like the original. OK, so they did that. And then what's weird is like then there's they made the movie H2O. And when they made H2O, well, there was Halloween. And in that continuity, they like it was Halloween and Halloween two, but then. Um, the is like, Halloween H2O the one where Buster Ryan says trick or treat motherfucker? I'm quite positive that is. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they're like, aren't they? I, I know I've seen it, but it's been a long time, but it, they're like, there's some kind of, they have, I don't know. They bring a camera to the house, like him and his friends and they're like poking around. That, yeah. That's yeah. That sounds right. That like they're right. just that like, there. Like, that's when everyone had a camera. So everyone was filming everything inside of a movie. Yeah, because it was just like they they went to the house where it all happened 20 years later and they were like teenagers hanging out. And then I think Mike Myers showed up. And then I think that Jamie Lee Curtis is in that, too. She is. She yeah. is in that. I went I went on a um, I went on a date to see that movie. And I think I was too nervous to really enjoy or remember most of it because I was just thinking about I suck, but boobs are good. What am I going to do? <laughs> 
Have I ever told you that the the first date in my life that I ever went on when I was in elementary school, uh, mm. that it was, you know, date, I figured, oh, sure, but sure. like, uh, was to see Batman Returns, which seemed like a good idea. But yeah, I, I think like, I, I don't know if I've ever fully appreciated Batman Returns because I think I was just terrified that I was sitting next to a girl <laughs> yeah. for the whole movie. You know, I, re- I remember you because I think on that date, weren't you wearing, um, Oh, you were oh wearing we have the short, the short overalls with the one strap. Yeah, I mean, that's how I got the date because I had style. So I had a flat top haircut and I had overall shorts with one strap down, you know, that like I was, you know, I was pretty cool. I can't believe I can't believe that girl's father let you take her to the movies. You know, what you, you say obviously. that you say that. And I, I do specifically have a memory of the of course, my parents drove and them driving. Us, and I then, but I had to get out of the well, not had to, but I, I got out of the car by myself uh-huh. and rang the doorbell and her father did answer and did uh-huh. not seem pleased that I was there. Yes. Yeah. Cause uh, like uh, her, it, it, you were in elementary school. Yeah. I don't know. I don't I know. Wouldn't, I wouldn't even have thought to take a, a girl out. Like I was still like, can you take me to my friend's house so we can play GI Joe? I think, look, I, I'm going to blame everyone else because there's zero <laughs> chance that it was my idea. <laughs> I'm like, I had a, you know, like we were saying that she was my girlfriend. Like we, we talked on the phone. I'm quite sure my parents were like, you should bring her to see Batman Returns. Like, and then that's how it happened. Okay. Fair enough. You know what? As an elementary school age child, you aren't responsible for your actions. So yeah, anyone, any adult along the way should have said that's dumb. No. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing was, it was terrible. And then I didn't date again, you know, until I was like 25. I don't know. Like, but it was a long time after that one movie. Like, cause my parents sat in the back of the theater. Like it was weird. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it sounds like, I a, just, it sounds look, like an Amish date. Yeah. I'm just going to say, regardless of what age you are, if your parents are there on the date for your first date, it's not good. If your parents are there, it is not a date. Yeah. It just isn't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're yeah. not you're not in Sicily going to meet Apollonia. We don't do that shit anymore. Like be, yeah, don't don't have your parents on the date. All right, but back to the important thing at hand. Oh sure. Uh, so yeah, so there's the so these are how they're listed on the Wikipedia. There's the 4-6 timeline. <laughs> then there's the H2O timeline, the 20 years later. Okay, okay. And that that one only counts Halloween and Halloween 2 and then it skips to H2O so it like throws out 4 or 5 whatever and then there's the remake we're not even going to talk about the Rob Zombie movies because they don't because they're a reboot so they don't you know they have their own continuity yeah, sure 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 but and they're then, really disliked um, among the kind of definitely the Halloween community and also the horror movie community in general I gotta say I don't think they're that bad I think they're pretty rad like they're not I, great but um, it, it's fine. It was fucking the Halloween movie. Yeah, the, I, I'd say that I probably fell, found like fell in your camp somewhere in that. Like, I like Rob Zombie as a filmmaker. I think the his original stuff I like better. But like, sure. it wasn't bad. But I, I didn't. I don't know that we needed it. But I didn't think it was bad. You know, it worked. Yeah, it like, worked. It was. It was fine. I, you put but, it on like it's a. It's a. You know, it's a C minus horror movie. I'll right. watch. I watch yeah. worse movies than that and enjoy them. Yep. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. So, so we have those timelines we've established. Them. Then now there's the 2018 timeline, which is okay. Halloween, and then <laughs> the most confusing move ever: Halloween 1978, and then Halloween 2018, which is a that's sequ- 40 years. But it, it's just called Halloween. So they're both. Right. They made a sequel. Uh, yeah. The, what do we say? 30 years later. Um. 40. Yeah, 40. Thank you. Math. So they uh, made a sequel 40 years after the original and, and gave it, it the same title. Yes. Which okay. is, I don't know if that's more confusing than Evil Dead 2 being a remake of Evil Dead. Probably it is because at least Evil Dead 2, like well, you. Look, you, I, got, I got stuff to say to Jonathan about Evil Dead 2 being Evil Dead because it's, they're like, they're different. They are. They're not. Like, he just couldn't. He couldn't. Sam Raimi couldn't get the rights for the first Evil Dead, but he had. He wanted to make it with a budget that he now had with a different studio. So he had to like at the very beginning of Evil Dead Two, he does a quick recap of Evil Dead and then moves forward from there. So I don't understand how it can be the same movie when it picks up where the first movie left off. 
essentially. I mean, it's like it's like what fifteen minutes, and then you're then you're into the second movie. That's when Ash is flying through the air. I I invite Jonathan to leave a voicemail. (laughs) (laughs) How about if we have this conversation that way? He can leave a voicemail, and and then you can respond. Because look, Evil Dead Two is the one that's always referenced. That's when you know. That's when. Ash and Groovy and the Chainsaw and all of that. So I get it. But Evil Dead 1 is a solid hard, not even solid, is a great horror movie. I love the first Evil Dead movie. Yeah. I'll 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 watch that before I watch Evil Dead 2, basically because I'm watching them in order. I guess I'm saying my preference is the first one. I like the first one. It's like a really straightforward, like no spin, no budget, scary, freaky ass movie. And I'm into it. Yeah, and I think that's the difference. I mean, one is, I mean, the biggest difference is the budget. The The first one was self-financed and made, uh, you know, when yeah. Sam Raimi was just a guy that wanted to make movies and the second one had a studio behind it. So I think that's the biggest difference. But yeah, they're both enjoyable. I will also just, if I can just have one moment uh, on a whole different tangent, but like, if you've never seen Drag Me to Hell, watch Drag Me to Hell. I feel like that's an, that movie doesn't Drag get talked about you. enough. And I love that movie. Yeah, Drag Me to Hell is so good. Yeah, I was thinking about that the other day. I, like, yeah, I just, that movie's perfect to me. Like, that is such a great horror movie. I thought, <clears throat> I thought Drag Me to Hell was just, I thought it was, because it, it already existed in the world, and I thought, well, that's that's just another, like, just whatever, popcorn horror movie you go with your friends to see, and and then laugh at later, and then you scare each other. It's just like that movie, rah, or whatever. Um. And then I was over at a friend's house and I came in right when the movie had started. Uh, I'm like, oh, I think I owe someone an apology because this is fucking fantastic. No, it really is. I had no clue. I don't know if the, they fucked up the marketing or what. I was like, I had no I had no idea. This, yeah, I this think one the, didn't look that interesting to me. Yeah, you, you might be onto that because I don't remember either, but I know I didn't see it in the theater either. That I saw it at my house, like just on video and like kind of, I think had a low bar for it. And then was like, holy shit, this is great. Yeah, Yeah. it was, it was really good. But no, it's yeah. And it's again, it's Sam Raimi and it's just a very simple, well-executed idea. Like uh, it's the protagonist upsets an old woman who turns out to like put a curse on her and like, that's it. Then go to town. I mean, there's a lot more to it, but that's all. <laughs> you know what? At the time, you know, this is, you know, more than 10 years ago. I didn't even know it was Sam Raimi. Like, put put his name on, like, all over all the stuff about a movie of his that's coming out. Because I'll go see whatever. You know, I'm always interested in a Sam Raimi. I yeah. didn't know it was him. Very curious about this Doctor Strange movie that he's doing. But. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but. All right. So all of that. To, to say, I don't know. I don't know that I, I'm just curious your thoughts, but I'm like, I guess like, I feel like when I was younger, I thought the continuity was somehow important in movies. And I think maybe wow. I'm just realizing it does, nothing fucking matters. It There's no, no continuity is a lie. It's a myth. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like we've, <clears throat> we've said it a thousand times. I, but, um, the MCU Infinity Saga, they I, I think they nailed it as well as you as anyone could for the amount of movies that were made leading up to the end of that one particular story. But I'm good now. You don't stop trying to do that with everything because you're not going to do it. Just I, I want to be entertained for the amount of time that I'm watching your movie. It doesn't yeah. have to be everything. <laughs> I just I think it's interesting how like in this moment that we're living in, because I think that you know, existing properties are so valuable. Studios want to make things that are already existing that I think like continuity is just going to be very fluid for everything. You can see it like, so you have the Ghostbusters movies and then they tried to reboot the Ghostbusters and fuck, we're not talking about that. But like now they're just making a sequel to Ghostbusters that seems to take place in the same continuity as the original movies like I, I mean, well, you, at least this one won't ru- ruin my childhood. <sighs> <sighs> yeah, I. The only thing that I'm going to be honest, like I don't really care that movie. Okay, look, you know what? I'm going to rant about this movie because I'm going to get 
on the the early edge of being mad at the new Ghostbusters movie because okay. everyone yeah, go. got okay. Now everyone. I'm gonna let you rant because I I want to pour myself another drink anyways. But remember, when you're ranting against this against this movie, you you by, by the trans transitive properties are ranting against Paul Rudd. Keep that in mind. And Carrie Coon, who both have done oh, nothing right. wrong in my mind. Yep. Like both of them. Look, what they what they gave us. <laughs> cinematically uh i could never repay and so i w have never been mad at either paul rudd or carrie coon and never will be mad at either one of them i also think finn wolfhard is in this movie and his name is finn wolfhard so he also gets a pass uh because that's amazing uh no but here's my thing about this movie i it might be good i will see it it looks the trailer looks good i just am not into the like you know your dad made Ghostbusters and that's awesome. And you love Ghostbusters the way that we all love Ghostbusters. I don't think a world where there's a childlike love and nostalgia for Ghostbusters is like, that's how we feel. I'm not sure that's how the movie should feel. I don't know that that's, you know what I mean? Like, just you see, I like that. I like, yeah. I like what you said just there because we have a childlike nostalgia for Ghostbusters. We should not have seen Ghostbusters when we were children. No, definitely that's an not. an adult movie. <laughs> it yeah. This man has no dick. Like that movie. <laughs> like, it's like straight up. Yes. Yeah. There was a ghost blowjob and like, um, uh, Dana Barrett was a, a complete character, but also um, a, a profound sexual interest of our protagonist. And there, there was nothing subtle about that. Like there was that we we come from a generation where we were watching adult things well before we were prepared to watch adult things. Yeah, and that doesn't happen much anymore. So like to make to make movies that are geared for younger people. And making them Ghostbusters movies, please realize you're not making a Ghostbusters movie. The Ghostbusters was an adult comedy set within a supernatural yeah. universe. Why That's what that, so if you're not making that, I don't think you're making it necessarily a Ghostbusters movie. Well, I also think that Ghostbusters was such lightning in a bottle. I don't think the people who made Ghostbusters understand why it was such a hit. But it's you can see it, which again, you and I are on record on this show as defenders of Ghostbusters 2, which I think is a, with the yogurt stain. Yes, yeah. it's, it's an enjoyable movie. But even that, like people were like, that's not Ghostbusters. Like, I don't think anyone really under like we all get mad at any attempt to make new Ghostbusters, even though everybody wants new Ghostbusters. But like, I don't think anyone understands why we all liked the first movie. It just was. It was that moment. It was that cast with that script doing those jokes. And the fact that our parents were letting us watch it because Slimer was a cute puppet and they assumed that we were allowed to, even though we should not have been watching it. There's also <laughs> you didn't talk about all of the smoking, like just from all of the heroes. So, like, I mean, yeah. like um, Dan Aykroyd, not a smoker. And you could tell in that movie, but he always had a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. Yeah. Like oh. it was. Yeah, there was nothing. What? And they knew, you know what I mean? Like you. What what about Harold Ramis, Bill Murray, and Dan Aykroyd told you that, oh, this is a movie for children? Right. Well, yeah, it's, yeah they weren't showing me Caddyshack. Yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, I think my dad did show me Caddyshack, but that's what I'm saying. Well, it, that was also inappropriate. I saw Caddyshack later, still when I was too young, but not yes. at the age that I saw Ghostbusters. <laughs> I don't remember seeing blues brothers for the first time because i was so young that my brain wasn't fully developed yeah yeah That's, I, you know like and i'm not look this isn't a criticism to anyone i'm just saying things are different now so like ghostbusters wasn't made for children it was made yeah. for adults if you're making a movie now called ghostbusters and you're making it for children to see it doesn't turn out that way you know they didn't even have a script for for the first one there was a bunch of old improv uh stoners that were cast in the movie and um uh they just improvised as they went along they and it's great it's one of my favorite movies some people th think it's overhyped it's not ghostbusters yeah. is a it's a cornerstone yeah also they man yeah i the fact that like when you learned that they pulled that ending out of their ass you're like uh -huh. Wait, how how did you pull like like again i mean maybe if you really sat there and try but like thematically and just like it it somehow works like it just it would, now we have to cross the streams that was a thing we had said before so we're calling like we're doing a callback to that we're just gonna do it like it feels 
satisfying somehow, even though they just made it up on the spot. And uh, I don't know how they did that. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just I think you I think you said it right when you said lightning in a bottle because yeah. like they they had a hard time recreating it five years later. And it was the same guys. What do you think you're going to do now? Yeah. You know, I'm not, again, maybe it's going to be good. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, I don't think you need to revisit it. That could just be, those were two great movies. Or more accurately, as the popular sentiment would be, that was a classic, great, almost perfect movie. And then they had a sequel (laughs) that was okay. Yeah. But then just stop. You can stop there. You're making, look, I don't, you got, you got. Dan Aykroyd, you know Bill Murray, Harold Ramis, and I thought I would remember before I got to his name. Ernie Hudson? Ernie Hudson. Yeah. If those four guys aren't in, aren't interested in making this movie, which uh, two of them are going to be hard gets. Um, Bill Murray then, is the Harrison Ford of Ghostbusters. I think, think Harold Ramis would be easier to cast in a new Ghostbusters <laughs> than Bill Murray, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, Bill Murray, who did pop up in the last Ghostbusters movie, but just to die within the first few <laughs> minutes of appearing on the screen. Yeah. Like, I'm not saying he won't do it, but I'm the the like. I love it. Like, it is funny to me that uh, they tease Aykroyd in the trailer because, of course, Aykroyd would have showed up to that set yeah. if they didn't write a part for him. Like, he he was filming. I to, they have that series on Netflix that I enjoy called "The Movies That Made Us." I don't enjoy it as much as "The Toys That Made Us." that it's a fascinating show but the movies that made us and i was sized you know pretty pretty excited about that uh ghostbusters episode when they talk about the making of and in the first three minutes there he is he says i'm dan Aykroyd, and i wrote ghostbusters so click (laughs) no i i don't hmm you're not wrong but i'm not giving you credit no i'm just not no yeah show me the script dan Show yeah. me. <laughs> I think you had a great idea that a yeah. lot of people ran with. You're the George Lucas of Ghostbusters. <laughs> oh, my God. He really is. Yeah. In that the longer he draws our attention to it, the less impressed I am with his involvement. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was Landis. It was Landis. And it was all the great people that were cast. He, like, but, you know, it was supposed to be uh, Belushi and Eddie Murphy. Yeah, you know, and then you, well, they lost Belushi and Eddie Murphy's star blew up, and they couldn't afford him anymore. It's like that's that is this isn't even the movie you set out to make. And also, right. if you thought the version we got was adult, it was supposed to be John Belushi and Eddie Murphy. Right? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> uh, by the way, can I? Can I? Are you ready for this opinion? Can I? Can I have a spicy take? On Ghostbusters. Okay, let me yeah. get my glass of milk ready in case okay. it's a little too spicy. Okay, all right, yeah. I just, I, I, I feel like I just need to put this out into the world. This has just been burdening me, and I'm gonna just release it. But like, I love Ghostbusters. I, it's obviously a beloved movie. Peter Venkman's a weird fucking character. Hmm. He's a that we- is a spicy meatball. He's so like as a kid, I loved him. Obviously, he's very funny. He's hilarious yep. in that movie. He is so fucking weird in that movie. Like he when he's in Dana's apartment, like because she even says like you're more like a used car salesman. That he is just being weird. Like I don't know if that's flirty. I honestly can't figure out what. And it's mostly the stuff with him and Dana, because I mean, like when he's just torturing that guy for no reason in the first scene, the yes. just like, like, amazing. All, as far as I can tell, he's torturing that man the first scene because he isn't the beautiful woman that's sitting next to him. Well, I feel like he'd be torturing that guy regardless. He's just decided to <laughs> flirt with the other girl because she's cute. But like, he I is think a he's a white si- dude with an afro. <laughs> yeah, I think that guy walked in and he like, I just imagine. Yeah, Vinkman's just amusing himself based on whatever's in front of him. And maybe that's okay. it. Maybe that's the character. But like, I don't know. The scenes with him and Dana are so bizarre. They're bizarre. Bizarre is the right word because he isn't a creep. He is being very flirtatious, but yeah. I don't think it's too creepy. To creepy levels, but it is very weird. Like it's the way just, he's the yeah. way he's shooting his shot with her is like, how do, how do you expect to get anywhere with yeah. this beautiful, talented, like orchestral musician? Yeah, and then like, because what is he? There's the one thing too where she leaves with her friend, and he starts like talking to the third person. He's like, and then she left. Like, the, like uh huh, uh huh. Yeah, he's just wearing a, um a jumpsuit in Union Square. Yeah, and starts to I think it's Union Square, and then just start like I don't. 
And again, she plays he's in a weird dude. Like he's she an eccentric a, scientist. Yeah. But yeah, that's the thing. She plays in a symphony and she's like dressed like a person who plays in a symphony and he just shows uh-huh. up in his coveralls. In his coveralls, he looks like, yeah, he looks like a homeless person. (laughs) He's an eccentric scientist. Yeah. You know what? Maybe that is it. Like, he's just eccentric. And then also, everything with Venkman, he does just feel like he doesn't, like, he's he's almost Bugs Bunny-esque in that he's just reacting to whatever's in front of him. Like, you get the impression that he tortures Peck just because, like, he decides to do that in the moment. Like, everything feels very just reactionary just like he just is yeah, spr- no definitely i think he um hmm. i think he does with words what silent movie stars did with their body if that makes any sense you know what i mean like i'm, I'm charlie, trying yeah <laughs> charlie chaplin did that vaudeville shtick with his body with falling over with doing these stunts um uh, Bill Murray is doing that in Ghostbusters, but he's doing it with his wit, with his with his actual words. Am right. I way off basis there? No, I mean, I, I just I'm trying to like, I kind of know what you're saying, but I feel like I also am like, like, yes, <laughs> I don't think you're wrong, but I'm like, yeah, I, does that explain it? I, does that encapsulate his character? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I don't think so. I guess, yeah, maybe I'm overinflating it because he's like Peter Venkman is one of my favorite all time movie characters. Like he's just, I think he's, he's fascinating. He's, He's, no, but I think that, yeah, he's just, he's so much weirder than I ever, like, I I don't know what it is. It's just like now that I'm older and I'm like watching it, I'm just like, I don't think I ever questioned how odd he really is. He's very odd and he's, he's two dimensional because not only is he odd. But he knows he's odd. He's comfortable with odd, but he's guarded. Yeah. He wants to like keep people away. He doesn't. He's only showing them 40% oddness. He's got another 60 in the bank and he doesn't want anyone to see it. But then every once in a while when he, I don't know, when he's really called to do something that matters, he becomes a complete whole third dimensional person of action. And yeah. we know he has like real emotions, um, real expressions. And he just jumps into it without a second thought. I don't know. I think I think he's pretty cool. Is that now I'm curious. Is that your favorite Bill Murray role? Oh, Lord, I would have to sit down and think about it. I know, it, right? But, um, no, that would probably be. Um, I think that would be Mr. Cross. Yeah, because that was the two that came to mind. Yeah, or Francis, either it, Francis Xavier Cross. Francis Xavier Cross is a great character and a character that only Bill Murray could play the way that he plays it because no one else could. You wouldn't buy the ending like like he has that very rare ability to be complete because also because the other character has the same quality because I would say it's either him or it's uh, Phil Phil Connors. Um, I think Phil <laughs> like the groundhog, uh, but both of those characters are awful to different degrees. I think Frank Cross is a less redeemable yes, character indeed. on the, yes, on the outset, but they're both terrible people unapologetically for the first third of a movie. And then in the end are just the most pure, joyous, loving yeah. people and you well, buy I think it. it but you know what's funny about both both of those movies is that the movie ends the, the way the character redeems themselves is by, by becoming bill murray right yes so like <laughs> yeah. so like in scrooged he because there's flashbacks in there so he starts off as ebenezer scrooge then um, in flashbacks, you see, oh, he was actually Bob Cratchit at one time and right. turned into Ebenezer Scrooge. And then at the end, he redeems himself by being Bill Murray. Yeah. And the same thing with uh, with Phil is like the only way I can get out of this purgatory is by bettering myself. And I have to better myself until the point that I am Bill Murray. <laughs> and then I, I deserve to to go to heaven. <laughs> I By the way, I, I really... I think I'm I'm landing on like I for whatever reason I've been thinking about Groundhog Day a lot lately. I really think that might be a perfect movie. Like I think that movie might just be like one of the greatest movies ever written and I've seen it. Yeah. Well, I know Harold Ramis originally really wanted to really wanted to um emphasize the fact that 
he was he was living that day for thousands of years. Well, yeah, I know the original. Well, I don't know original because I think you're a different version. But there was a version of the script where it would have op- the scene where he steals the money out of the back of the armored truck yeah. was going to be the opening at one point. Like where oh, no you kidding. just yeah, where like I don't know if it was that exactly, but a scene like that that showed like we were going to start with him. Mm-hmm. In the world and already like having lived it, you know, like, uh, but Mm. yeah, I just, I'm glad they didn't do that. First of all, I just think that movie, like that, and he, it really wanted to be this big kind of Buddhist, uh, Zen sort of story that I think it still is, but I'm with you, man. You know, I'm, I think you'd be hard pressed to find anyone who would change any minute of that movie. Like, what would you change? What would you change to make it better? You're right. I don't know that you do. Well, no, and I think that's what it is. Is like, first of all, what I what I think I've realized is so it's funny because we've talked about memento too, which is like nobody tries to do memento because it's too hard. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it's too much work. But Groundhog Day on paper feels like it's easier to approach. So there's been a lot of movies that have tried to be Groundhog Day because yeah. you just do the same thing over and over again. Also, must save a ton on sets i've always thought that about groundhog day like <laughs> you just really need one downtown set in that diner and then you're just yep. shooting at the same like locations yep. but uh no like the on paper it seems easy to do you just do the same stuff over and over again but it's like within that like everything is so actually subtle and so like the way the world opens up that it's very narrow at first where it's sort of Phil starts exploring the town more. So then we see more of the town, but at first his day is very narrow and then it gets wider. Just the, the way that like, you know, the people like as like, but I think that's it. But the end of the movie, you feel like Phil, like when he's in the scene in the diner and he's, he's explaining like, you know, oh, I know everything like in a, a waiter's going to drop a tray of dishes and like this is Nancy. She works in the dress. Like when he's explaining it, you feel that like you feel like, you know, the people in the way that he does. And it's just like he goes through every like every phase is perfect. Like first he's selfish. Then he's just depressed. Then he's just trying to have sex with Andy McDowell. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then like he goes through all of that and nothing offers him any like actual joy until he just goes like okay well if i have a thousand lifetimes what if i just spend it bettering myself like what if i actually try to like do all the things that we all wish that we wanted to do but never had time i'll I'll learn how to play piano and i can help people and i can do all this stuff and it's like then he gets andy mcdowell because he becomes the person that she's attracted to like she's Mm -hmm. she's interested in him when he stops trying to get her interested in him, like, yeah, when he just let and let that be a lesson to you, folks. Just live your live your damn best life. <laughs> but it is just that movie's great, and I've like you said, I I've watched it hundreds of times, and I wouldn't change a single thing about it. Like, I think every moment of that movie is well used. I think, yeah, no, it's a re- it's a real testament to the writing, to the directing, and to the <clears throat> to the acting of of Bill Murray, who's. The you I mean? Can you imagine being the only person in a in a movie that you're shooting for a long time? The only person who has a character that uh, that has to evolve. Everyone else yeah. must remain the same, but your character has to change. Yeah, that several times, just like you said, all those layers of because he becomes hedonistic, yeah. you know, and then he becomes suicidal, and um, like it, the character keeps evolving, and then. Has to has to then change while everything else remains the same. Which it also really, it really is. Uh, like think about that too. Like everybody else's jobs uh, were so so much easier because most of the time you're just. I mean, unless like you obviously Rita and uh, what's the Chris Elliott's character's name? I can't remember. But uh, mm. uh, obviously them they have different interactions with him. But if you're just like one of the townspeople. <laughs> You know, like off to see the groundhog. You already know your lot. Like you're not going to flub your lines because yeah. you pretty much just say the same stuff. You might Phil? forget. <laughs> yeah, you might forget which iteration that you're doing. You know, if you're Tobolowski, is this the one where I get punched, or is this the yeah. one where I talk about his sister in the whistling belly button? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. But, but I step in the puddle again, right, motherfucker. 
That's what's fine. Like, I actually, uh, if you go back through the archives, I did actually talk to Hinden Walsh about this movie because she, uh, her and Michael Shannon are the young couple. Uh, they have marital problems and then oh go. no shit yeah uh, but I can't see yeah, that in my head but that's what she talked about too is like most of the movie she just sat at a diner <laughs> across from Michael Shannon like in the back because that's the other thing a lot of the featured people in most of the scenes they're in are just background extras like the movie's genius because all your extras are also just later characters like you know because like, he ends up interacting with the same people yeah I'm yeah Re- really good I might be with you I don't I don't know what brought that to your mind, but yes, I have like, I wouldn't change a goddamn thing about it. Yeah. I think it was just like, that was a question that I heard someone ask of like, what's a perfect movie. And I was trying to think what I would put in that category. When someone asked me that, I say Shawshank and look, I I know it's not, it's not a really, um, pardon me. Goddamn tuberculosis. Uh, (laughs) it's not. A very diverse cast because it takes place in a men's prison in Maine. Um, Morgan Freeman got that role because he was the best person for that role. In the book, it's red. Well, his name is, is red because um, he has is, red hair. Yeah, he's a he's a man. When the, when he's described in the book, he's describing David Caruso. Yeah. Um, Morgan Freeman got that part because he was the best for it. Um, still, I not a not one. Thing would anyone on planet Earth change about that movie? It is yeah. perfect. Yeah. No, it's that movie is great. Those are two great movies. So there you go. Like if you're, hey, if you're like, yeah, hey. those are hot takes. Groundhog yeah. Day and Shawshank. Good. <laughs> I don't look. I don't know what we accomplished. We the, we said those movies are good. We said continuity doesn't matter. But if you take it, doesn't. No, it's good. I like it. You know what? That doesn't come to mind because sometimes you do. I think often. You know, often people are talking about television and movies. Um. And then they ask, what's the, you know, people will ask, you just get the, you know, the temperature of the room. What do you think the perfect movie is? And I always say Shawshank. Yeah. Now I, now I have Groundhog Day in my pocket. Like I know those aren't the only two movies that you could consider perfect, but it, Shawshank's just an easy answer. It really, because what are you going to yeah. say? What's yeah. wrong with it? Tell me yeah. what you don't like about it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And if you say Clancy Brown, then get out of my house. Like, cause that get man straight is up. amazing. Uh, sorry if y'all sorry if y'all heard that it was the music that plays when my dishwasher is done that's adorable yeah <laughs> that is very charming dishwasher music it is it's nice we love her i love don't her. have him, a dish him. i don't have a dishwasher because i'm poor so <laughs> <laughs> but look i we covered a lot of ground some of it was about movies that came out a long time ago but if you only take one thing from this show uh, it's that in England they call queefs fanny farts, and I think that's really what I want to know. Though, if if they have that, if they have the shorthand, like that's a that's a great word. We I I was at trivia last night, um, with Carlos and Pat, and there was a team called Queefer Sutherland, and it was outstanding. You know what? Because that that is great, and you can't. That's one thing we have. Because like yeah i i wonder if man do you think we have any british listeners we should because i feel like your algorithm of things Lars is interested in did we have a kiwi listener named tor at some point we did uh yeah i don't know if he still listens or not but if you do you know but but like yeah i don't now i don't know if they have that word or not like yeah if they're familiar i really hope so it's a great word it is it's very lyrical fanny farts is adorable but come on get your queef on also, free band name, uh, Fanny Fart and the Queefs, I think is a great, you know, like. <laughs> or Queef and the Fanny Farts. It, it works, works both way. ways. It works. <laughs> well, it only works one way, because if it goes the other way, then it's just a regular yeah, fart. Yeah, that's just a fart. It's just a pooty poot. Pooty poot. But remember, <laughs> question everything. <laughs> Shut up and get a lawyer. Just to keep the boys in line You ain't busting up my place like you did last time The drinks are getting weaker with every round they serve The way they keep us sober, man, it's getting on my nerves So when I'm 
dead and gone I want some sugar in my coffin If I've gotta go I want some sugar in my coffin Oh no, there ain't no Elvis Presley from the waist down Or else I ain't learned nothing from TV He's shaking like an animal Point our camera where I said We need this white boy going crazy like a hole in the head So when I'm dead and gone I want some sugar in my coffin If I've gotta go I want some sugar in my coffin I want sugar in my coffin, I want to cut the bitter taste But the president's a liar, the country's fallen in disgrace I've been living with it just about as long as I can face So if I've gotta go I want some sugar in my coffin in the White House yesterday Has President Lincoln lost his mind? They caught him in the graveyard Digging in the mud That's the father of our nation With a sickness in his blood So won't you listen to me, mister? I want some sugar in my coffin Well, if I've really gotta go I want some sugar in my coffin I want sugar in my coffin, I want to cut the bitter taste But they hide it in your money, and there's cameras every place I've been living with it just about as long as I can face So if I've gotta go I want some sugar in my coffin You know I'm not getting it while I'm alive, so I want some sugar, mister. I want some sugar, mister. I want some sugar in my coffin. It's about a fanny fart. That's literally when we fart with our fannies. Hobo Radio is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. In a world where people watch movies. I think I'm going to watch a movie. Sometimes they don't like what they see. I don't like this movie. But sometimes they look for the silver lining. Wait a second. I like this part of this movie. Joel and Andy do that work for you. The Silver Linings Playback. I like this part of this podcast where they tell me the part of the movie I like. Every Monday on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcasts.